This is Fizz Free. And in today's episode, Ruth, Claire and Jane discuss Dry January. Is it just a gimmick or can it positively help people address their relationship with alcohol in the long term? Your hosts look at the history of Dry January, the benefits, the challenges and a few useful tools too. Plus, why perhaps it's not for everyone. Spoiler, only one of us ever successfully completed a dry January before we got sober. Take a listen in, find out who, and let us know your thoughts. Thanks for listening. It's Fizz Free. Hello, today you're joined by all three hosts. So welcome Jane and welcome Claire and I'm Ruth and we're going to be discussing dry January. Shudder, absolute shudder Ruth. I don't like (laughs) dry January at all. I'm still haunted by it from all of the years of failing and then trying to ignore that it ever happened. What are your thoughts on it? Complete opposite. I've always been quite an advocate of it thinking... I've never managed it. Can I just put that out there? Oh, I never managed to do it. <laughs> I assumed you'd be somebody that had about loads of them in your back pocket. You'd always managed to do it, no? Never. Oh, never, I ever did I. Didn't even attempt it. I just thought... Really? Because... Well, yeah, because I just felt I didn't need to ah. is probably the answer to that. Um, I always thought I had a handle over my drinking. So I thought, well, that that's for you know, people who were worried about their drinking. I don't need to do that. So it just never came into my head. I saw people around me doing it. And this sounds awful, but my birthday's in January. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, great. Everybody's going to have no money because they've just spent it all at Christmas. We're going into the new year. It's bleak. It's damp. It's wet. It's cold. It's miserable. And to top it off, no one's going to drink at my birthday meal, so I'm going to be bored out of my mind and everyone's going to be really sensible and go home early. How terrible is that? No, but I'm really <laughs> surprised. I genuinely thought it was something you had done loads of. And I mean, you you can be a little competitive, can't you? So I thought perhaps you'd <laughs> definitely enter into that with other people and just nail it and that um, that would be something that would appeal to you. I'm really interested to hear for the first time that you've you've never done it. That's amazing. Yeah, and it, it's strange, actually. Like, I'm surprised... I never thought about it until this moment, Jane, you asking me out loud, have you ever done it? I was like, oh, well, actually, no, (laughs) I haven't. Um, Because my immediate response to dry Jan is, yes, this is brilliant. Any time without alcohol is fantastic. It's sober days in the bank. But yeah, never done it myself. I think it's an absolutely fabulous idea. I think that first and foremost, it's when people are conscious that they want to make a little bit of a change and that's all it needs to start from really is just that seed and any day that you don't drink i think it doesn't matter how many you do it's a positive isn't it um so you know we'd all like to get to this elusive kind of um moderation and the reason for that is it just means that you've drank a bit less and drinking a bit less no matter in what format i think i'm totally up for and i think a month if you were drinking to an extent where it's affecting your life will show some positive results so i think it's brilliant and I don't think you need to have, you know, I didn't go into um, my sobriety. I didn't know that my last drink was going to be my last drink for two and a half years. You know, I've been two and a half years sober now and I didn't know when I had that last drink 
it was going to be in my last drink and I think the only reason I did it was because I didn't pressure myself so I think this is a brilliant way of just testing the water and if somebody does dry January and then goes back to drinking they've still had a bit of a detox and that's never a negative how about you what do you think so my impression of this is um, hearing about it, thinking at first this was a good idea many years back, and then over the years finding it increasingly irritating to the point that I hear the words dry January, I shudder because it reminds me, it just makes me think, oh, that's nothing I want to be involved with and kind of upsetting because you already know that you can't do it. And you have to sort of admit that out loud to the people around you. And it's easier to not admit it and just say, well, I'll make up my own mind. You know, I, I just don't choose to do it. So for all the year round, our society is telling you, it's okay to drink, pour another one, yay, buy one, get one free, here's a percentage offer, clink, clink, here's a jazzy advert. And then suddenly for one month of the year, <laughs> it's like having a parent turn their back on you suddenly you're not encouraged to do that and everybody around you is polishing their halos while they're sipping on sparkling water and you know if you are somebody that is used to drinking on a daily basis and you know that you can't do dry January you know you can't do dry week one of January then it's an incredibly uncomfortable feeling and you may find yourself shrugging and coming out with bold excuses I don't need to do that I'm not going to get told what to do ha 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 it's not for me I don't have an issue you know, and it, it's, it can be interesting, I suppose, to see people's reactions to dry January because quite simply, it wasn't for me for various reasons and it's just not for everyone. It really reminds me of a few years ago, I did do dry January and um, my mother-in-law wanted us to do it um, for cancer research because um, she'd suffered with cancer. And actually... Um, my sister-in-law did it, I did it, she did it and my father-in-law did it and we raised about £700 for charity which was great and I was like putting, um, you know, like advertising it really and saying oh you know we're still all doing it and da 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 and all this that and the other. Um, I was absolutely desperate for the 31st of January, well, the 1st of February to come along. Did it work for me? Obviously not. I mean, I abstained for that period of time. And I can't really recall how I felt other than the fact that I wanted it to be over so that I could drink. But interestingly, um, and we will eventually do a um, bit of a chat with my husband, but he didn't do it. And it was frowned upon a little bit by my mother-in-law, I think, at the time. I think she was, I won't say frowned upon, I think she was disappointed that he didn't join in. But he was a bit like Jane and he was like, oh, I don't want society to be telling me what to do. I don't want to not drink, so therefore I'm, I'm not going to join in. And it was a bit controversial, actually, at the time. But it just reinforces we should only really do it and that's sobriety in its entirety anyway, whether that's a month or whether that's... But, you know, you've got to be in the right frame of mind to want to do it for you, haven't you? So I was quite interested to kind of look at where it all began and why it's so big, because I've only been sober just over three years now, and I genuinely believe that it is getting bigger and more people around me are saying, well, I'm doing dry Jan. And I thought, gosh, the, the word is spreading. So it actually started in 2013. And it started from um, a charity called Change UK. And in the first year, only 4,000 people signed up. 
But amazingly, it's turned into this global phenomenon where we are now, just in the UK alone, we're having record number of people signing up to it. And we're up to 9 million people, even if they don't sign up on the website, we're up to 9 million people who are saying they're going to participate Wait in dry January. From 4,000? Yeah. Up to, to how many million. million? 9 million. Yeah, and that's only in 10 years. And that's just the people that are openly engaging with the concept and not just casually doing it on the back burner? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And my thoughts when I saw that statistic, I was like... So if 9 million people are openly and admitting I want to cut down or I want to abstain for a month, it just goes to show that people deep down know and understand that alcohol isn't any good for you. Like you don't say, well, it's going to be really tough, but I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to give up apples for a month. You just wouldn't, would you? Because you don't need to give apples up because they're good for you. But we know deep down alcohol is toxic and we shouldn't be putting it into our bodies. Do you know what's interesting tonight? I got speaking to another parent who I don't know particularly well and I had my laptop on my knee and and I I sort of excused myself and said, oh, I'm just working on a bit of audio editing, um, you know, for a podcast. And she went, oh, yeah, what's it about? And I went, oh, sobriety, you know, going alcohol free. And she went, oh do let me know, do send me the link to that. Oh, I'd love to to do that. And you know, when you don't know someone well enough, but you just think, I'll note that and we'll broach this subject again in a few weeks time, maybe. So it's on people's minds, isn't it? Oh, completely. I've been really, really shocked at the support that I've had because of us doing this podcast. Like prior to this, I felt really alone and I found it really difficult. But we're at the point now where people just in the space of three years are really opening their arms to this. They want to hear what we've got to say. They want to support us, which is just such a huge change. And sometimes it's from people who you expect it the least from, people who haven't don't appear to have a problem with alcohol, but possibly like us, we're covering it quite well. Well, I think just going back to that first point of how many people have signed up and how many people are willing, it kind of made me think about a scene in a Gavin and Stacey episode whereby Pat, not Pat, Pam and Pam and what's the husband's name? I can't think now. They were saying that they were going to do dry January and they were really looking forward to it. And I can imagine that conversation around like the table at Christmas because, you know, it's not just Christmas Day, is it? It's the whole build-up to it, you know, drinks with colleagues after work and Christmas parties and all of that. And then, obviously, Christmas Day and then New Year's Eve. And you kind of get to today and you're just like, actually, it is a fresh start maybe feeling a little bit fuzzy from the night before and I just don't want to feel like that anymore. If you are wanting to get involved in dry January if you go onto the Change UK website you can actually sign up and on that sign up you get an app and on the app you can fill in your um, daily goals you can enter if you have had a drink how much you've had a drink and it'll calculate the units and it's a little bit like a tracker and what I love about it is because we all have a pat on the back really don't we if you do um, avoid drinking alcohol then it will actually give you little badges like little stickers to say well done you and let's face it we all react really well to praise and having any positive praise is always going to be a good motivator 
to have this app i think whereby instead of just doing it by yourself and it's not really real when you look at all of that and maybe there's a community and things on that lot online with it as well it makes you feel a part of something doesn't it and you can actually i think it's a really good way of keeping somebody you know motivated making it real actually having to log it on there that you've had a drink if you do have a drink i think it's a good i don't want to say deterrent i don't know if that's the right word but it it makes you conscious you're going oh you know whereas if you hadn't got to write it down and it wasn't really real and you hadn't got this app you might just think oh do you know it's a friday and i've already done two weeks and I just yeah I'll have one tonight whereas if you've got this and you're like well I'm doing a break that cycle actually look at how much I've saved look at how many calories I've saved I think it's great there's talk of using apps and trackers and they can be really motivating for people as you say but I struggled with that because I knew I could lie to it I knew that I could just tell it I'd completed a day when I hadn't and even more I knew that I could just delete the app. So then it didn't exist. There was no problem. So what's the point? And I very much hid from that style of tracking anything because it, it felt just too uncomfortable to me because I knew I wouldn't commit to it. I could just delete the app or or fib. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I know a lot of people find it really rewarding and that can help a lot of people get off the ground and physically see their progress on an app with badges and green ticks and things like that. That wasn't enough for me, I must admit. Do you know why I never used one? Because I was so scared of perhaps falling off the wagon, as they say, that I thought, I can't type it in there if I have. And even though it's meant to make you accountable and meant to do that to deter you, I just thought, I can't have it in black and white if I ever do fall off this wagon. And thank God I haven't. Um, But that's one of the reasons, like, as you know, I I kept journals and that was kind of my go-to. But I did sit down the one day and calculate how much I drink on average in a week, how much extra would I spend if I went for a night out or to um, a holiday destination, etc. When I totted all of that up as a household, because my husband used to drink more than he does, he has cut back a lot. We, we're looking at the price of a holiday, you know, and wow. that, that's the reality of when it. When you put you it know. like that, it's a fortune, really. Yeah, it, it is, it is. You know, the average bottle of wine now is what about nine pounds something like that so if there's two of you drinking in the house that potentially could be over 20 pounds a night sometimes you know older ways of thinking can still affect you even when you've gone alcohol free that logic of you know oh i won't buy that really nice candle that 12 pound yankee candle can't waste money buying that and yet i know i would easily have blown 12 pounds on buying a a bottle of spirits or or something years ago but i'll still hesitate to to spend that money but i know i wouldn't have hesitated in the past to spend that on on drink 86 which is a huge number isn't it Jane 86 percent of people actually saw that they saved money yeah do you know I wish that I had calculated it and monitored that more closely like I can do some rough maths to work it out but even then I'm not sure that I really believe it Claire do you think you save money by not drinking or if you not really notice much of a difference I actually did that at the very start of my sobriety. So if I had two days where I hadn't drank 
and I went and I wanted like a, a £10 jumper, I'd go buy it because you've saved that money on, on alcohol probably twofold. So I consciously did make that. I mean, now you just, well, things are a little bit different now, aren't they? Everything's so expensive. So I think you're even more. And actually, when I do go into the supermarket and I still buy alcohol for my husband, I, I do it a little bit resentfully now because I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so. And it's obviously gone, like everything else has gone up and can't get, you know, even a six, seven pound bottle of wine anymore, really. Um, so. You know, you're thinking, gosh, once you've bought a bottle of wine and then a couple of ciders, maybe. I've even, I have got to say, um, I love, you know, some um, non-alcoholic Prosecco. And I've just thought, you know, if you have that every day, it's still a lot. So I've I've cut down on, on doing, doing that even. So, you know, it these apps that show you how much you are saving how many calories that you are not consuming um and and allow you to say how you think what how you're thinking and how you're feeling because a week in sobriety land can feel like quite a long time and in that week you might go from feeling not so great to oh my gosh, I'm feeling the benefits, I'm feeling the difference. And if you track that and you go, gosh, actually a week ago, that's how I was feeling and I feel much better now. I think going back over it really helps motivate. I've actually got some old, um, on an app that's really good as well called I Am Sober and that um, tracks how much money and calories and give, and gives you opportunities to write stuff down and I've revisited a couple of times um, some of the things that I wrote on there and it really reminds you of how you were thinking and feeling at that time so even though it's only you know it's a, sh a relatively short period of time a month but what a difference a month can make. One of the brilliant statistics which I think for especially people who live very busy lives which I think a lot of us do now we're trying to work some of us are juggling families and the gym and all that jazz we need a good sleep it's so hard to function when you're not sleeping well and 70% of people who've previously taken part in dry January saw a massive improvement in their sleep and if that's not an incentive I don't know what is absolutely i think most people that drink heavily get that you know you black out for a few hours and then you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and then you can't get back to sleep and then you might get back to sleep for an hour and feel really really tired the next day and that's obviously you don't actually have any REM sleep and that's when your body recovers so you're constantly in recovery aren't you so when I stopped drinking and I, hit, I did have quite a lovely nice pink cloud period um sleep was just the best feeling ever to wake up and feel no hangover and start fe i mean i was exhausted i slept so much and so well because it was like i hadn't slept properly for years so it you know that took a lot of regulating it didn't just yeah I didn't just fall it back into a really nice normal sleep but 
I think I even actually, even now, still look forward to going to bed because I just, you know, you hope and nine times out of ten, just get a really good night's sleep that's no, nothing's preventing you from having that kind of really nice restful sleep. How about you? Yeah, sleep benefits has been one of the best things definitely for me. Maybe not those first few nights. And actually that was very off-putting for a long time because I was one of those that convinced myself, oh, have a drink, it'll help you sleep. I can't go to sleep without a a little drink. Um, So, and you know, with sort of withdrawal symptoms, if you have been drinking habitually, getting a good night's sleep might not come straight away. And I think that's quite worth knowing. Um, But it is powering through that, isn't it? To then get those good bouts of deep sleep that make you feel so much better um, is is the thing to aim for. And I think maybe that ties in, Ruth, with, you know, at what stage through dry January does the novelty wear off? You get to into double figures, the 10th, the 11th, the 15th. Isn't the 18th like traditionally known as like Black Monday or something like that, where people <laughs> just feel demotivated, they've had enough of all this healthy lifestyle and can slip or, you know, that first weekend of January when you've been trying so hard for a few days, for example. I mean, that's got to be quite tough. Exactly. And statistically, when I was having a look at this, they actually said that the first Friday of the month is the hardest. And when most people, if they're going to um, stop doing dry January, stop on the first Friday because they've done their first full week at work and they've probably still got a bit of recovery and withdrawal going on, you know, only five days in possibly. And unfortunately, Dry January is really good in that it's got 75% success rate, but 25% of those people don't see it through. And it's the first Friday of the month, which isn't that surprising really, because when you look at withdrawal symptoms, people may suffer from headaches, nausea. They could experience tremors and insomnia, fatigue, sweating. And they know if they have a drink, that's going to take that all away and after you've had a really tough week at work get to the weekend they need that sort of you know little um tipple to just see them through and as a reward what I would say and I always say this if we ever mention any um symptoms we are not medical professionals and if you do or if you are attempting dry January currently please contact a medical professional if your withdrawal symptoms are quite severe Yeah, exactly. Stopping suddenly when you've been used to consuming a large volume on a daily basis can be incredibly harmful. But you've hit the nail on the head. As human beings, we will never like feeling uncomfortable. We don't like change. Uh, We're in a quick fix society. We know that if we click a button or, or whatever, we can get what we want. We live in a sort of fast service society and immediate make yourself feel better mindset. And so when you do feel uncomfortable, it can you can think I'm going to feel like this forever and actually as you say talking about I mean that's a whole other topic which we'll we'll touch on with withdrawal symptoms but powering through and finding ways of distracting and coping and and getting through what sometimes is actually a relatively short window sometimes those cravings are short and sharp but you think well that's it I just might as well give in to them um that's a a real self-discovery journey that I think a lot of people can feel uncomfortable with but is probably where the key to finding a little bit of success creeps in, you know? So from that Friday, I think they've realised, actually, I am probably going to face a little bit of a tricky period and I am going to have a trigger. And if they see it through and they don't drink, they realise, actually, 
that's going to happen again, but you know what, I can get through it. Because that's what happens when you, um, when you give up drinking anyway, isn't it? Whether it be, you know, for sobriety or whether you give it up for a month, it's going to, you're going to hit a little bit of a, oh, I, I would like to have a drink. And I think that just proves that actually, if you can get over the first blip, you're going to realise, actually, I'm going to have a few blips and I can get over it. So I think it's a real learning curve. It's interesting to hear those statistics that if you do do that first blip, you're more likely to carry it on. And I think that relates to the bigger picture of probably why dry January can sometimes lead to sobriety is because it teaches you how to manage those tricky periods. The good stuff then begins, doesn't it? And this is very true of dry jam. We've got a lot of evidence to say people who do taper, once they've got past the first seven days, they do feel like they've got a lot more energy. They have an increase in concentration. They feel like they're sleeping better. And what I love about um, this particular phrase, a few of them have said, it feels like a fog is lifting. And isn't that so true? And it does feel like you can just see a bit more clearly and just like Claire says you just feel more capable you do and and just that lifting of a sort of niggling anxiety that niggling feeling of I shouldn't be putting this inside my body this isn't good for me that anxiety as you say and just you know a lot of that begins to just dissipate and again I would say that was one of my top three if I had to make a list of my top three benefits of cutting out alcohol um, the improved sleep and just the lifting of anxiety like a heavy cloak to be walking around with day in and day out and thinking is normal I discovered to my amazement that I didn't have to carry it around with me it wasn't part of daily life a heck of a lot of that was directly linked to ingesting a toxic poison every day who <laughs> who knew <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I think what's really good about it is alcohol is empty calories, isn't it? Let's face it. I think when I researched it, a bottle of wine is approximately two and a half Mars bars, something like that. Um, And a lot of people have recorded that they've lost between six and 15 pounds just by cutting out the booze because there's so much sugar in it. And, you know, there's people who say to me, oh, but I have gin and that's low in calories. But even that, I think there's 50 calories in a double gin, something. And that's quite a lot. If you're having three or four or whatever, those add up. You know, it's not just your 50 calories. It's drink after drink. It's all going to add up. So losing a bit of weight will then have a knock-on effect in terms of lowering your blood pressure and um, also making your heart healthier. But the brilliant thing about dry jan, I've always said, it doesn't matter if you start drinking again in February, just having that small amount of time, just 30, 31 days abstaining from alcohol is going to start to repair your liver. And that on its own is brilliant. I mean, three months is the magic marker, just so you know, three months and your liver is completely healed. So that's a really good um, time frame to aim for. Statistics show that people who have taken part in dry January, by the time they got to August of that year, were drinking less than they were the August before, which I just think, you know, that's a huge positive, right? Yeah, anything that reduces the amount in any alcohol-free days at all are a celebration for your body. Definitely, and even just having one month off, it's proven that it can reduce your risk of cancer, it can reduce your risk of diabetes, you might see 
um, other health improvements like your skin might improve. Your wrinkles might not be as heavy because your skin isn't as dehydrated. There's so many positives. Um, so Jane, tell me this. You're pretending to take part in Dry Jan now. What tools are you going to use? What are you going to make sure you've got in the house? Because I'm sure our listeners are thinking, right, I'm motivated now. I want to do this. But how? How can I resist that temptation? What's your advice? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Bearing in mind, I've always hated dry January. <laughs> but in terms of <laughs> generally stepping away from things, simply not having alcohol in, if it isn't there, then at 11 o'clock at night, you simply won't be able to pour yourself a glass of anything. And having substitute drinks in, and I know this can split a lot of people, the market for alcohol-free drinks. So, you know, the beers that taste and look exactly like normal beers, but are 0%, versus fancy mocktails, for example. A lot of these things can um, be a really good substitute in terms of, a lot of people just want to have something in their hand, don't they? We're just used to the habit of pouring something at a particular time of the night. Yeah, exactly. And Claire, I know you're a big, big fan of some non-alcoholic alternatives. So can you talk us through what you found works for you? I think it it depends on the person. I've never actually had just non-alcoholic wine because wine was my go-to. I think I'd be fine there. But when you stop drinking, you've got a massive void, haven't you? And you need to fill that void. I think tonic water with different flavoured um, like squashes and things like that are really good because they're really refreshing and you're generally dehydrated and it feels like a little bit like a grown up drink. You're not just having squash or lemonade or whatever. And I absolutely love Noseco and they've got other brands like Bell & Co. Um, I mean, you only have to go down like the, you know, non-alcoholic oil to see them don't you i think they're anything fizzy i think it's really good in the first sort of month but getting that into that routine so i've always had those kind of drinks um before my little girl's gone to bed and then when she's gone to bed i have my cup of tea and my bit of chocolate and that's what i really really look forward to and it's my new habit I think as well, having like nice fancy glasses, you taught me that really, is, you know, when everyone else is sat there, you know, with, you know, a pint glass or a nice gin glass or wine glass, you can still join that. As a lady actually that I know that's um, recently sober and she always drank pints of beer and the, she walks into a local pub now and they put two bottles of Beck's Blue in a pint glass for her because that's what she's always drank but to her that's her familiar that's not too off the mark I mean we will talk about Bridget in a in a on a different podcast she's because she's desperate actually to do a podcast with us and um, but she was honestly when she stopped drinking she a switch just flicked in her brain and she was able to do all of the things that she normally did i got to say i retreated a little bit from pubs and things like that unless i was going for a meal oh no she just walked straight back into the pub and had you know that drink and it was exactly the same and she'd sit and chat with people for you know in a local village and and that was her that was just her change 
So I think it doesn't mean to say that you ha don't have to join in with all of those things that are happening and think little things like the kind of glass that you use, the actually being able to enjoy your drink of choice um, won't make you feel like you're missing out. Um, I think the one thing to note as well on people's reaction to dry January is, I mean, my husband's done it a couple of times. He's doing it again this year. But I, we always get to February and I try and like elongate it. I'm like, well, why don't you just do it for another week? And then he'll get to the end. I think he made it till nearly the end of February a couple of years ago. Um, so I think we have to accept, you know, if people make their own choices and every sober day in the bank is a positive one. But as I said, we're not here to judge. We're not here to say you must be sober because you may be listening to this podcast and thinking that's not my aim at the moment. I just want to learn about alcohol and make an informed decision and just cut back on that line as well my friend texted me the other day because she's one of these avidly does dry January every single year but still drinks throughout the year and I text her saying how's it going how's it going this was like New Year's Day and she went oh well I'm, I think I'm going to start on the second because I've got family coming around today <laughs> so people stretch the rules but I do think as I've always said in this particular podcast it doesn't matter if people are spending and stretching the rules they're still having that aim and that goal of cutting down or abstaining for a short period of time, which is all positive. Any days you have without alcohol are always beneficial. And if it just gets you thinking about that relationship, your own relationship with it and how perhaps you see yourself in five, ten years time, do you still want to be having the relationship you have with alcohol now down the line then or would you want that to look a little bit different for example and just even some of that long-term thinking can be really beneficial it's so easy to get caught up in the moment and think now 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 um, and just lurching from week to week or month to month but maybe sometimes that comes in handy as well taking that step back and being a bit more reflective absolutely absolutely and, and I think I just want to say to all of our listeners if you are participating in dry january this year well done and a huge huge good luck to you because if you get to the end of january that's a massive achievement and you should pat yourself on the back if you're listening to this and you haven't quite been ready by all means put all this knowledge in your bank and maybe tackle it next year yeah and what i would say you don't need a fancy name for it you might turn out to do dry March the 23rd to April the 16th and that might be a really really um, amazing achievement for you don't I just wouldn't get so hooked up on it being the first calendar month for a lot of people that will suit them wanting it to be so clean and so neat and so fresh and so tidy and to tick off each of those days uh, visually but it, it doesn't matter about the calendar what matters is what's going inside your body and you know how much that can be reduced so I think that's why I've always been quite anti as well it just doesn't have to be that calendar month at the end of the day and whatever you're doing for yourself is the most important thing January or no January do you know what Jane I can just see your personality coming through there because you are like <laughs> do no it. if don't you do it tell me to, yeah you're like if you tell me to do it I'm not going to do it I will start on the first of February so yeah there you go <laughs> find your own way and whatever works yeah. for you you do it that way so if you if you don't want to conform like jane then pick your own month or pick your own weeks however 
Sometimes it's best safety in numbers and I suppose if you've got other people around you doing the same thing, it's a safety blanket, isn't it? And you're all in the same boat and can support each other. Thanks for listening to Fizz Free from your hosts, Ruth, Claire and Jane. Find us online on Facebook, YouTube, on X and Instagram, as well as most major streaming platforms. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, the email is fizzfree0, the number zero, at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate us and to give us a like and a share to spread the word. Changing your relationship with alcohol. Less fizz, more free.